I'm 21 years old. I have this, at the time, 28-year-old man telling me that the only way that we will be successful in this business is if we appear like, you know, this isn't our first rodeo, which is fine until you show up for an inspection and you look 15. Would you buy something with a crumbling foundation right, right now? Right now, I, I would. Oh, I would not. Once you understand how to deal with it, once you understand the underpinning process, and once you understand what it takes, you know what it takes to do it. Okay, we're taking risk. Okay. First property, first weekend, we have a basement that has now been flooded and also gutted. We have an upstairs unit that is now missing an entire bathroom. You have to dip into the negative a lot to be able to get to the cash flow. And that is the fear. And that's why when you walk in and say, look, I need $50,000, you need $50,000. It's like roulette, right? Your odds are what? Like black or red and like 50-50. I don't think you're gonna win realty by 50-50. Hi all, welcome back. Lena and Shetty. I introduced you, sorry. If you missed our first episode, you missed all the details about who we are, how we met. Check us out if you haven't already. And today we're going to go into a few more details. Should we tell them about the very first purchase? I think that's where it all begins, right? In the good, the bad, and the ugly? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't know how many of you know this, but, um, you know, starting a business isn't always easy. It is not always successful in the beginning. And sometimes you jump on a very, very accelerated trajectory of learning. A lot of people do learn very quickly when you put them in a situation where it's it's either sink or swim. So if you don't know how to swim, you better know how to swim very quickly. Oh, Otherwise, you, right? you married a competitive swimmer. Look at That's that. That's right. Yeah, but um, it, it is important to do your due diligence and all that. But the thing that I learned from you is prolonging due diligence and not jumping into it, then it's you're, you're not really learning much because it's all books. Oh, and yes. at some point, you got to take the theory into reality. And that, that's exactly <laughs> what we've done, right? But reality is not the books. But you're good at that. You guys are engineers, right? So you guys create the theory. You guys are really, really good at like, theoretically speaking, all of this should work. And then you guys build whatever it is. And like, boom, all of a sudden in practicality, not so much. But that's why you, you always build the prototypes because you always know, even with the theory and the plus and minus and this, what if and what's that, something still does not line up. So you still build it and you look at it as well. It did not work exactly as I want, so let's tweak it. And that's where reality and books meet. No, we don't build prototypes. No, no. There were no prototypes. Nobody told me that we're going to build a little whatever, and I'm going to put in some really nasty, moldy, smelly carpets like you've never seen before in your life, and you're not allowed to take gloves or anything else with you. You're going to take your bare hands, and you're going to go in there. And you're going to stand in five inches of water and you're going to lift this stuff up and you're going to bring it outside and throw it into a bin. But that is exactly, you know, when you put somebody in a situation, you say, this is what it is. Those are the resources. Figure it out. And you get to figure it out. So and shall that's we where, tell them the story? I think, yeah. But the difference is really is the difference between a person looking at this and say, ew, I'm running out of there versus ew, okay, let's do it. And that's the difference between success and failure. So, first purchase ever. Um, oh, my God. 
2004. So we're going like way back to the olden days, as our daughter would say. Oh, my God. Um, so at this point, prior to purchasing, we had been together, what, like not even a year? Yeah, that's about a year. Not even. Yeah. And you had taken me all over the province of Ontario to like all these tiny little towns that I'd never heard of. I grew up in Toronto. So, you know, I lived in my little bubble. So we had put out how many offers at that point? Well, we figured it's, it's for every hundred offer and you actually get one. Yeah. And then we worked it backwards. So yes. So for that first deal, we probably put about 120 because we were kind of in the beginning, a little young, young, so inexperienced. So, okay, Put more out, right? No so idea what we were our doing. numbers were 100 to everyone, but the first one was 120 roughly before we actually have one up, one approved, not approved, but one uh, agreed on. I'm 21 years old. I had no idea what lives outside of the bubble that I live in. And I have this, at the time, 28-year-old man. You were an old man in my world telling me that the only way that we will be successful in this business is if we appear like we know what it is that we're doing and we speak to the confidence like you know this isn't our first rodeo which is fine until you show up for an inspection and you look 15. So it took a while to get our first property. As Shetty had mentioned earlier we did have one of our team members I'm not going to say who who suffered from, what did we call it? Paralysis by analysis, where we sat and we ran numbers and ran numbers and ran numbers and didn't do anything. So at some that, point- That's why you pay the big dollar for the engineers. Sure. But then I had a temper tantrum and said, enough is enough. Yeah. Like, either we're doing this or we're not. That's right. I said, okay, let's do it. We did. We got a triplex. So we finally secured a triplex. Um, background about the actual sale itself. So this particular triplex is in a very small town outside Eastern Ontario. At the time, the biggest employer was a paper mill and our sellers were going bankrupt. So clearly, whatever was going on in their lives and with this particular property were not so good because they were not able to pay their bills. But the strategy we went, we were focused on the strategy of creating value. So the strategy we're going is to buy distressed properties. So that is the focus that ended us to there. So property was distressed, a lot of the late maintenance on it, right? So uh, tidbit of advice for those of you who have yet to actually go into the purchase of distressed property or using the burr strategy, as people call it. If you're not used to strange smells, get prepared. Um, if you're not used to like grungy wet basements and walking into cobwebs or bugs that you've never seen before. Um, it's sounding, get if you put it that way. I am just merely trying to give everybody out there as real. But don't realistic. scare them off. Why like, not? Like, it's not scaring them off. It's not that but bad. like, if somebody had told me, I would have been better prepared. I would have been dressed properly. I would have had on long sleeves so that things weren't touching my skin. <laughs> like, but it comes with a lot of unexpected stuff, right? Because I feel like some of us are a little more sheltered. Some of us. And we don't realize that there is a whole different world of people who live in very different conditions. And that is what we learned with this triplex of ours. We had three units, all of which, like Shetty said, very, very, very distressed internally, externally, 
but structurally sound. So that was a very big thing for us is structurally it had to be sound. So it had to have a solid foundation. It couldn't be crumbling. You know, we don't have water coming in from all areas. Unexplained. Um, but, you know, new roof, fine. New windows, fine. Bathrooms, no big deal. It is critical, though, <clears throat> to say as a start, right, if you don't have quite a bit of cash, you do not want to go after structural. Because structural, it gets very, very expensive, right? Yeah, but do you ever really want it? Like, would you buy something with a crumbling foundation right, right now? Right now, I, yeah, I would. Oh, I would not. I would. I would not. Like once you understand how to deal with it and once you understand the underpinning process and once you understand what it takes, you know what it takes to do it. Okay. We're digressing. Okay. Our triplex. Yes. Oh, goodness. So our units, each unit um, had, oh God, maintenance issues greater than the last. I think what the main floor unit was in the best condition. And yeah. interestingly enough, the gentleman who was occupying that unit for a very short period of time while we owned it is actually our service manager in the region that that property is in and has been for 14 years now. Yeah. And that's why his property was or his unit was, you know, kept together. He fixed it because the owners weren't fixing it. That's right. Oh, and then what would have been worse, the basement unit or the upstairs unit? Basement. basement. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Imagine this. We've closed on our first property. We closed the weekend before Canada Day. Um, and we generally only close properties on a Wednesday because surprises happen. And if you're closing on a Wednesday and the bank hasn't forwarded your money, your second mortgage <laughs> decides they're not forwarding money. Nothing wrong with the title. They have at least two days to recover and you still yeah. close before the weekend and rolls into another week. It was the weekend, Canada Day and... I lived in Toronto. Shetty lived in Ottawa. <laughs> Our property was an hour east of Ottawa. I get off of a train to come and see this new property that we have. And we get there and I get a call, well, a message on our pager from our tenant in the basement saying that the basement's flooded. I've got a foot of water and you need to come here and fix this right now. Otherwise, I'm calling the city and I'm reporting you. Okay. <laughs> what am I supposed to do with this? I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm 21 years old. I still live at home. We get into the car and I have Shetty play the message on his cell phone. And it was like, okay, like, let's go. So we get to the apartment and the bottom of the hot water tank gave out. Magically. We had a lot of magic in that unit. Oh, yeah. A lot of magic. Uh, things just happen. Um, the water that was in the tank is... All over the basement. It was about 30 gallons. So no, it's 40 gallons? 30, 40, yeah. 40 gallons Four of gallon water. Tank. Just, you know. All over this like 600 square foot apartment. And the tenant is screaming and yelling at us. And she wants to be put up in a hotel. And we find out that they haven't paid rent. They won't let us into the unit. And they call the police. And there's a whole like war now going on in the backyard. It's like a Jerry Springer's. <laughs> oh, goodness. So, so we're not allowed to go to the unit. No. Right. The police showed up, right? No, no, they didn't show up until the next day after we found out that they had stolen the appliances. No, no, they showed up because they showed up. No, they demanded she, to go to they a called. hotel. And then she came up, gave me the phone. I talked to the cop, told him that she hadn't paid rent. Oh, right. Right. Okay. So they he waited. got back and told her she can either pay rent or leave, but those were her options, but that I had to give her till midnight. That's right. Yeah. <clears throat> so we stayed in a local hotel. 
Yes. Right. That that was another fun. A local uh, motel. <laughs> oh, it was so funny. So we woke up early in the morning. Anyway, we had to day. go. We went to the hotel. Finally, we came back. The insurance company was there, and Seven. the keys that worked the night before no longer work to open up this apartment. So the tenant had changed the locks. Thank goodness this man was able to fit through a window and get into the unit, unlock the doors. So we get in there. They've taken the fridge. They've taken the stove. They've left all of this like, oh, I don't even know what to call it. Like the mattress was on the floor, so it's wet. So they left the stuff that it cannot be used. Okay. Yes. We'll go with that. I want your memory. You want my memory? I do. I think it would be so much easier so to live walking with. walking in, you see where the mattress was on the floor. It's it's obviously wet, so they cannot take it. So they left it for us. And then they helped us by removing all the appliances that were ours. Right? So they took it away. We had to clean anyway, so they took it. Oh, you're so kind. Right? They're, they're very kind, right? So while the insurance company is, what, did they vacuum out the water? Well, no. The insurance will assess the situation but the um, service master which is the um, uh, restoration company right there's some petty insurance company right? there's restoration so they it's they call you call them out they come in they clean they take the water out and they take pictures on behalf of the insurance and the assess the situation which you take that and then send it to the insurance and then they get the quotes to re redo yeah so this took a few hours and in that period of time, I called the police to report our stolen appliances, because as helpful as you may think that was, those were my appliances and I wanted them back. As all of this is happening, the tenant on the upstairs unit, so this is a triplex, it's a main floor unit, an upper unit, and a basement unit. Basement is now a flood zone, and our tenant upstairs came downstairs because he's got some issues with the bathtub. His girlfriend comes running downstairs because the police had been able to locate our former tenant and she wanted to talk to me. So while he's talking to the gentleman in that unit, which we'll get to in a minute, I had the privilege of speaking to my lunatic tenant and hearing how I had to understand that she does not have a fridge or a stove. So when she's able to buy a replacement set, I can have mine back. I want to say 21-year-old me wasn't going to have any of that, but I feel like 40-year-old me is still not going to have any of that. It's even worse. <laughs> I think you had a little bit more tolerance. I didn't know what I was allowed to do and not allowed to do, I think, was really what it You've is. You've done well. I did. My response was really simple. It was, I don't think you understand the fact that you did not have a fridge and a stove when you came, so you should not have a fridge and a stove when you leave. And we went back and forth, needless to say, within an hour and a half. Well, yeah, I think the... Well, the police officer the encouraged police, her yeah, to return that's everything. Right. We gave her till midnight. It was about an hour and a half. Her boyfriend showed up with all of our appliances, came out onto the street. I caused a scene. All the neighbors came out. So now we've been able to create, you know, the walk of shame and set the standard for everybody around so that they understood what would happen. The beauty is I think that incident have created us to be known in the city like well birds of a feather that's right right so people who are generally not kind and would behave in this manner tend to get along and they tend to kind of you know coexist so if you've created problems for one they're going to tell everybody else and those people will now avoid you which means that this very temperamental pool that could be your potential tenant base are no longer your tenant base (laughs) because they don't want to deal with you So I got 
the privilege of going to Home Depot for the first time in my life. And Shetty can now tell you what happened while I was there. Get the bathroom upstairs. Oh, well, see, tenants think that you're helpful. You're, they're looking at you, you're kind, you're coming in. So from an absentee landlord to I have no idea who you are and you never show up to fix stuff to you're actually two people physically on site and they're managing the situation. So all of a sudden people will say, hey, well, I got the situation, which is good, but it's not good when you're not accounted for and budgeted for. So in our cases- Translation we, when you have no money. <laughs> no money. <laughs> well, because the money went in a down payment as we, as we talked about why we don't have that money. So that money went into the close rather than being sued. No. So here we are. So we decided. You have to listen to the first episode to get the whole get sued or be sued situation. So, you know, do that. Yep. <laughs> so we decided that this is the way we're going to do it. But here we are. It's they're, they're, tenant, they're good tenants. They want to live in a decent situation and they are provided a very substandard place. We are the people that we would not tolerate that. That, that was our goal. That is exactly the goal, right? We don't provide substandard living. So we listened. And when you look at it and you don't have the money and you have people who are willing to do labor. So for me, it is just a matter of, says, okay, let's buy the material and just use the labor. It worked out in my mind. It was beautiful. It was amazing. Reality. This is what happened. Tenant upstairs came. He's complaining that there's some sort of black ooze coming in from the seams of the bathtub. So you'll notice when you have a bathtub, you'll either have tile or you'll have a vinyl type of um, or acrylic surround and you'll have caulking between the surround and your bathtub to prevent water from going behind while black stuff was coming out of that caulking. It was wet, so you push it. Was... Yeah. When you touched the surround, it was spongy. Not a good sign. Walls should never be... There should never be bounce back when you touch a wall, ever. Ever. So if you are going and looking at property that is distressed, maybe touch the walls, especially behind your showers and your tubs, and just see, is it like bouncy? Because if it is, you're going to replace it. So budget for that. So anyway, long story short, it ended up that there was a window behind the bathtub the window had never been but closed. How did we get there? Well, because you guys tried to find Yeah, that's the... right. So it's like, okay, you know, it's just the top. You're moving. You put the drywall. You replace the drywall, you know, and you put another apolitic, which is you went and bought that. No, we bought that three-piece tub the first After, time. After, during, oh, right, during your... Oh, right, 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 right. So initially, I said just buy a replacement and a, a sheet of drywall, right? And while you're on your way and we pull that and the whole thing crumbled, and then I see a window in front of me, Right? You were about to leave and you saw us running down, all of us, started <laughs> counting the windows. And then you're looking at me like, what the hell is going on? I says, well, it says we have extra windows in every floor. So now the problem compounded, knowing that if one window was not closed properly, which wasn't, we have all of them to deal with. So it started for basement problem, now to main, with all of them. It's okay. So... So we went to Home Depot together to buy drywall. Well, we had to reconstruct now. The surround. No. No. We went to buy the surround and the drywall okay. and we came back and the gentleman oh, in the right. unit yes, yes. got in the bathroom because yes. he thought it would help us yes. and it would be easier. And got it means? Down to the subfloor and right. the studs. Because he thought that because there's water behind, there must be mold. So he was helping us by removing everything 
to the stud because it's much easier and make sure that there's no mold. Yeah, but then everything ended up in the bin that was downstairs for the basement, so so it couldn't be reused. He was so helpful. We had labor for free that demolished everything. So recap, first property, first weekend, we have a basement that has now been flooded and also gutted because, you know, you've got to restore the damage. We have an upstairs unit that is now missing an entire bathroom. Two people who have no idea what they're doing, having to manage this unexpected situation. No. I did not know anything. I went to Home Depot. They made so much fun of me because I asked for some slinky thingy that goes into the ceiling that connects to the fan. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. I went to Home Depot 18 times that day. It turned it into a, a joke. I know. It but they know you. Yes. They helped you. With no, they're a wonderful. Very helpful team. Yeah, no, they're wonderful. Right. And they effectively became our best supplier in the city. Right? Yeah. And they helped with all the renovations since. Right? Needless to say, it was very unexpected. Definitely the numbers that we had analyzed to death were not our numbers any longer. And it was a very difficult few months. Well, of course, because you look at it, you're starting at the new business. So people looking at you, you're like, okay, you have no clue what you're doing. And then when things are going not to plan, it's even more says, I told you so. And that, that's a lot of people looking at it saying, I told yeah. you so, this is, this is bad. So you don't get the support. You don't feel that you're doing the right thing. Yeah. Like you're, you're beating. Don't, don't be the dead horse. You know, that, that, that's like, in fact, if you're looking at it, it's like, wait a minute. I told you this is not. That was probably scam, one of the hardest right? that, was the, that was the thing that people say, it's a scam. Don't do it. So that's probably one of the most difficult parts as an entrepreneur, I would say, is when things are not going well and the people whom you would expect the most support from are always the first to kind of try and knock some sense into you. And it can be very discouraging, right? Like all of these people that you love and all these people who you think are your supports are sitting here looking at you going, what are you doing? Just walk away. This is crazy. Go back to your regular jobs. Like, go for that pension and for that security. And um, it took a while to realize and understand that it was just a projection of the fears that they had for themselves, right? It all came from a place of love. And it really was just a fear of what could possibly happen. Um, And, you know, it stems from, they look at it from their own viewpoint, right? So these individuals don't have the same viewpoint that you do, which is why they're not doing the same thing that you're doing. So from their viewpoint, the risk is very high. So let's protect you and tell you to stop before you get hurt. And from your viewpoint, it's I've already dropped $100,000 into this. Like there's no going back. (laughs) We got to take this to the finish line. And we did. We did. We did did the work, mostly him, because I was still trying to figure out why I had to touch dirty carpets. And it was so gross. And I didn't understand. I think just the Saturday alone, I was at Home Depot 18 times. I think um, the guys that work in there were uh, betting how many times you'll show up or will they show up again? Well, it got to a point where they would announce over the PA that they would call me Mrs. Shetty. Um, Mrs. Shetty has arrived. And they knew because they had to come and help this woman who is asking for slinky thingies for those like this kind of like plier thingies was another thing. I had two people walking me around trying to show me the plier thingies. What people don't realize is every industry has its lingo. 
And it's really difficult when you're going construction. Construction has its lingo, you know, the, the pliers. There's so many different kinds and all that. And slingy thingy, right? It, it looks like a slingy to you, yes. But in the, in the construction world, it's not a slingy. They had fun. You made it. But they, they were really kind about it. Like they were so helpful, all of them. And it's so interesting because, you know, nearly 20 years later, 90% of them? Maybe two or three of them are no longer there, but everybody is still there. So the relationships that you build are unbelievable. And these gentlemen over the course of the years, because needless to say, um, the second property we bought was not any different, nor was the third or the fourth. Um, So when you're constantly in there in a panic, um, because again, the first five years were not smooth at all. Um, and there was a lot of reactive decision-making, we'll say, because there was a lot of unexpected. It's unknowns. But, you know, this team at this Home Depot would go above and beyond. These gentlemen would actually drive to a Home Depot closer, like, well, somewhat further from where we were, um, to pick up materials that I needed because they knew we had to be done because Sunday was back to work and back to Toronto. So... And tenants are moving in, and, oh, God, and yeah. I, I think that really helps is because it's a community, yeah, right? They knew that we're walking in there to clean things up and provide a good place for other tenants to live. So they, it's like they, they're self-incentivized to help us to do that too. It's like they see the cause. Yeah. Because a lot of the landlords in that area are absentee landlords and the properties are distressed. Yeah. So it's kind of a fresh way of looking at it. So, oh my God, people are coming in. You're not from town, but you're you're helping. And yeah. All that. True. So. It is true. We're not just another. I think they said that to me once too, right? You're not just some, you know, absentee landlords from the big city, huh? It was fun. I mean, it was. It was. It was. We learned a lot. We learned. Oh man, so many things. Um, have a cushion, right? Like that was a huge thing. Is make sure no matter what you have a cushion. Um, we learned that even if you expect to spend X number of dollars on a renovation, add 15%. Yep. Today, with the cost of everything, I'd say add 20% um, because you don't know, right? It's even conservative. And that number escalates. Now, that's the other thing. Uh, that number escalates very quickly, especially with delayed <clears throat> stuff. So if yeah. it's a small leak... And you can't catch it up front. Yes, the, the, the budget is smaller. But if you wait for it for two years, guess what? The problem becomes bigger. Yeah. And so, so when you're buying a distressed property, the renovation of the actual, the cost of that project is actually more than a regular property or the scope of work is much larger. So these are the things that we've learned very quickly. So multiply by two. Yeah. Is in and- some cases that have done it. I think what really worked for us um, after like the third disaster that we didn't expect, we just went into every purchase assuming we would have to gut it to the studs and redo everything. And we looked at it and said, if it works that way, because that's your worst case, short of having to tear the place down, that's your worst case. And if you've got structurally sound property, the likelihood of having to tear it down is not high. So we just said, you know, if we have to do it all and it works to gut it to the studs and rebuild, then anything that we have to do that's less than that is just extra money in our pocket. That kind of 
planning and that kind of view when we went into our future purchases are what really helped us avoid those like money pits. And you can't call them money pits because once they were done and stabilized, they're cash cows. It's the struggle into getting into stabilization. And that's what we realized. And that's why we said we're going to go into the other strategy, which is let's assume to the studs. Yeah. Because in the other projects, we looked at it, we spent more money trying to do little things. And because the properties are neglected, what happens is by the time you fix something, something else breaks. So you open the wall probably about three times by that versus, you know what? Let's assume it's been neglected for years. Let's remove all, all the drywall to the stud. Yes, it costs more, but in the long term, we actually reach stabilization much faster, which if you look at it from the investment side, it is actually better. Interestingly enough, when you say that now, that tenant who ripped out his bathroom and said it was easier was actually right. See? There you go. Let that sick kid for a second. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, he was so right. <laughs> He helped, so it's saying that's some change. It's he true. High out. five. He was a helper. Yes. I'll accept. <laughs> Very I good. will give you that. There you go. There you go. Oh, man. But yeah, so when you're starting out, the fear is, oh my God, I have to remove everything. And that is the fear of what the size of the project is. No, the dollars that it costs. Oh, the dollars that to it. time where you don't have any income coming in it's and correct. you're putting all that money out. But if you look at it, you reach income much faster that way, but you have to dip into the negative a lot to be able to get to the cash flow. And that is the fear. And that's why when you walk in and say, look, I need $50,000, you need $50,000. You probably need $60,000. And that is where people worry about. So when you're buying these properties, you got to make sure that you have that cushion. We did not have that cushion because we decided to take that money into the purchase. So we limited ourselves and that's where it got us a lot harder to get to the stabilization yeah but we still made it we did right we still made it but we did so, that's perse- the key takeaway perseverance is there is a light at the end of the tunnel and it's not a train how many times do we say that to ourselves is, we're... <laughs> is this a train yeah, how many times do we say that to ourselves there is a light at the end of the tunnel it is not a train it is okay um and really it is So for anybody who is watching and maybe you've got a little bit of butterflies and now you're rethinking your decision to like get into this business, um, we still own that very first disaster of a triplex. In 18 years, we have not yet once encountered an investment opportunity that will yield the same return on our investment as this does in its current state. So if we were to cash out and we were to take that cash and put it into another investment. Today, we're not making the money that that disaster that nearly broke us is currently making. So I think key lessons is make sure you have a reserve, okay? So as long as you've got a reserve, um, you'll be okay. Plan financially for your absolute worst case, like absolute worst case. And if you can live with it, If the worst case doesn't happen, everything else is just additional profits because you were willing to take on that project without that money. So it's like a double win. But you have to make sure you're doing, don't don't do shortcuts. That's the other thing, right? Oh, what you mean you don't want to leave butter trays underneath the, uh, you know, under (laughs) the baseboards and you don't want to leave the top of the butter tray in the apartment upstairs? 
there's clearly somebody was eating while Same I was on the job site, right? <laughs> they were the only lotto tickets inside. I'll tell you, it's amazing. Like the age... holes in drywall with newspaper. Yeah, newspaper. Just and you take a look at the newspapers. Like nineteen fifty-two. Fifty-two. I think it I was. Think. Yeah. yeah. With the newspaper and the lotto tickets. We still have that lotto ticket, right? Um, if there's really... a light at the end of the tunnel, it's not a train. It's all you need to know. I guess they just enjoy what you're doing, right? And, uh, and if you have someone to do it with, I think that's important. Find somebody that you can do it with, a friend, your spouse, if you really want to go there. But somebody, if you have a partner to kind of share in that responsibility and a partner who has that same vision that you do and has that same drive, it helps a lot, um, especially when everybody else around you maybe doesn't see what you're seeing and the light they see is a train and they're really trying hard to get you off the tracks. That's the thing. Yeah, I think what's critical, what you said is, is, is absolutely correct. It is a person who has the same vision because if they don't, they will not have the support because they're probably- And they won't probably... touch those dirty carpets. Exactly. They will, they will be afraid. They will be actually more afraid than you. Or just so grossed like, out. Well, what are you doing, right? Versus somebody who's been there. I've done it, right? So it says, yeah, okay, that's easy. This is how we resolve it. And that's it. All of a sudden you say, oh, that's that's cool. I'm sorry. Is that a lesson you learned is next ne next time find a partner who's been there, done that? Uh, what? Oh? Of course. Hmm? I see. Did you? I know. I've, I've done the renovation. That's why I said, oh, I just pulled the, pulled the end off. I understand. You can't oh, replace me. Plumbing. Okay, let me show you the tricks of the plum. Of the plum? The plus. <laughs> plumbing. Plumbing 101. So that, that was a fun ride, that triplex. God, the courses didn't prepare us for any of that. The courses are the theory, right? Yeah. So Practically not so much. Right. Okay, so this actually takes me into a gift that I got um, from the gentleman at Home Depot that day that I went there like 18 times. Interestingly enough, okay, so Shetty clearly told you all that, you know, find somebody who's been there, done that. Um, and I think one of those things and the reasons why is because if at least one half or a quarter or however many of you there are, if there's somebody there who has an understanding of what you're doing. So you want to buy distressed property. Excellent. What does it look like to manage and plan a renovation project? If none of you have that experience, I would definitely recommend, um, definitely recommend that you find a way to get that information. Whether you're doing online courses, whether you are finding people who have been there, done that, and you're asking them to come in as cons like, you know, consultants, or you're willing to split a small portion of your pie to bring them in to help oversee and teach you and give you those resources. It's huge. And to give you an idea of how big it is, like, that day that I went into eight, Home Depot 18 times on my way out when I went to say thank you and um, to let them know that we were leaving town for the week and we'd be back the following week. They gifted me with the one, two, three, how to Home Depot book, yep. which is like the beginner's guide to everything home renovations. If you were doing it all yourself and using all of the tools at Home Depot. I still have the book. I know, which is fantastic because it gives you the basics, yeah. you know, it actually to call it correctly, the slingy thing has a name for it. Yeah. So you say, okay, this is what Still I don't want. Know what, I don't remember what the name of that thing is, <laughs> but it's okay. I never asked for a slingy thingy. 
I asked for like the duct for the fan. Like, the, this, you know what I mean? So now, now <laughs> the terminology is there. Now people are able to help you. Right? But the point is that this book, those gentlemen knew that I was so green that they gave me a book that lays out step by step. If I'm going to lay ceramic tile on the floor, what tools do I need? What materials do I need? How do I calculate how much of my materials I need? And then where to start in the room. So if your room is shaped like this, this is where you're going to start. And this is how you're going to do your calculations. And this is how you're going to cut things. And, you know, it's a very helpful resource for somebody who doesn't have a clue. And, you know, that's kind of what you need to factor in as well when you're doing your analysis. Now, I'm very fortunate. I have you. And you kind of took the first half of that book and turned it into an Excel sheet. So now you just kind of plug in the numbers and the Excel sheet tells you what tools you need and what materials you need and how much of it you need and, you know, <laughs> and which contractor you're going to dispatch to do it. Um, but do that. Find people who have those tools and those resources for you and get your hands on them because it'll save you a lot. It costs a lot of money to learn. We spent a lot of money taking courses to learn the theory. And then we spent a lot of money learning that theory doesn't always work practically. So if you can find somebody who's going to like cut that portion in half, you're going to have a whole lot more money to go and renovate with. So do it. Give the half to the person who's teaching you because then you'll never have to pay that half again. That's right. Do it. You still be ahead half. The other half. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's right. You are right. The spreadsheet said so. Oh, those spreadsheets. We're going to do a whole episode for you on Shetty spreadsheets, all of them, like project planning spreadsheet, deal analysis spreadsheet, renovation analysis spreadsheet, all of them, all of them. We're just going to do a whole thing where I'm going to tell you my version and then he's going to explain the technical version and then it's going to change into all the fancy colors so that people like me can actually remain entertained. But it works. Of course it works. Your goal, as you told me, is that any spreadsheet I have to make, it has to look pretty. Because I don't want it yelling at me. I don't need all of those numbers screaming at me. So we just turn it to a spreadsheet that makes colors and green is good, red is not Bad. good. <laughs> don't go there. Stay right? away. And you do step one, proceed step Proceed with two. caution. That's right. Yellow, proceed with caution. You know, you're on the edge. Yeah. You know. So that's what we'll do next. Yeah. What do you think? The whole thing on shetty spreadsheets. All these tools we speak about. Let's show you our version based on, you know, many renovations and surprises and, you know, a gentleman who is very not a fan of surprises. Well, you got to control, right? So if you control it, then you, you can control the outcome. And hopefully by doing that, then you can control your income. Sometimes. But sometimes you still win without controlling. Don't worry. It's okay. You do? <laughs> it's a, a guess. Bit. Black, white. Oh, look, it came white this time. It's like roulette, right? Your odds are what? Like black or red and like 50-50. Exactly. In real estate, I don't think you're going to win in real estate by 50-50. Let's pick this property today. I Increase your odds by putting some numbers in place. Knowledge. Well, knowledge or numbers, though. Put the numbers in place here. Have the knowledge. Fine. I'll give it to you. I gave you another one, too. Remember his bathroom? I told you, the guy was doing great things for us. And you look at me, he's like, you're like... Alien with two heads when I tell you that he's didn't he done us a favor. Yeah, see, we just had to recap it. That's all. That's it. And just looking at it when you're in it is a problem. Like, oh my God, you know, I have a whole apartment plus a bathroom now. 
Actually, when we were running down, my hands are like, oh my God, I got three bathrooms. <laughs> we knew that this is on the list to be done. But that's the other thing. Now, we switched from reactive to proactive. And now that's, that's really important into holding properties. Yeah. You cannot be reactive all the time because guess what? You're reactive gonna, is expensive. Very expensive. Like, very expensive. Oh my God, call a guy, whatever price it is, I got to do it now because it's an emergency versus... Yeah. Says okay, the formula is X amount of dollars from the rent goes into reserve, and that reserve goes to cover the essential. It's the guts of the property. Keep it, and if we follow that rule, that's perfect. Then you just schedule things, and then the other spreadsheet schedule. That's right, calendar. See, it goes back to that. We're gonna do a whole episode on all of Shetty's tools and processes. And all the reasons why. You can't just say tools and processes. You've got to tell them all the reasons why this happened, which is why I created this so that I can control this so that this was the guaranteed outcome. Even then, it's not always guaranteed. It's not, but you reduce trip. the probability of it turning to something totally different that you have no control over. It's like a production line. You put a widget that's a square and it comes a circle. Yes. Okay, so we made this sound like it was, you know, I mean, okay, I should clarify. I made this sound like it was a total disaster and you just, you know, unicorns and marshmallows, apparently. Would you change anything about that very first experience? Absolutely not. It made us who we are today. The, the foundation, you know what I mean? It's the foundation, it sets you up and you look at it and it, this is the reason why we have the spreadsheets. This is why we have the very good connections and with the people in the city and yeah. it sets it, it sets it apart from everybody, right? Yeah. Like it was, uh, it was the start of something really good. It was fun. I would though, however, not wear clothing that I like. That is something I would change is I wouldn't wear things that I wasn't willing to burn. Okay. But you did not know that that's what we're walking into. And that, the only that's thing the I thing. would change is the only thing I would change is don't wear things you're not willing to burn. So when you're maybe part of the thing is you have a change of clothes if you're going to take a look at your property for the first time. It's actually what we do now. Right. It's exactly what I do. That's Everything it. Everything comes off in the garage and nothing That's comes right. into the house. So we created a process out of it. Right. So with that, thank you for watching. Thank you for, you know, listening to us. I hope that we were able to not only entertain you, um, but to actually give you a nugget or two um, that you can take and actually put into whatever situation you're in today and see a little bit of an improvement, right? Like we're not going to be able to solve all your problems over the course of an hour. Um, and if we can, good job you, because you're doing great. And I think the next time what we're going to talk about, because I think you've heard us now talk a couple of times about how we went from one to two to three, and it was all reactive, reactive, reactive. Um, we're going to talk about how we actually scaled, right? Why don't we tell them what we did, yeah. how we did it, how we funded all of these disasters we weren't expecting, because um, yeah. I think that might be interesting. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how we scale um, and how we did it the wrong way and how now we do it the right way. So tune in. And if you haven't watched the previous episodes, do that too so that you can get an idea of who it is that you're listening to because, I don't know, maybe that's important. Have fun. Enjoy what you do. And for every step, just look for people that you make a good relationship with, really. Definitely. So.
makes it way more fun. It is. Yeah. Until then. Happy investing. Happy investing. <laughs> Your hands are cold. <laughs>